listen, you can work and work with your child to get them on a routine and then have daycare do their own thing. And plus, they have very specific rules and regulations that they have to follow. We get it. But today on the podcast, we're going to talk about how to work with your daycare to find a routine that works for everyone. Plus, what do you do when your kid decides to pretend they don't know the answers to simple questions at school? I'm Laura. And I'm Jennifer. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast. We're so glad you're here. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888-234-7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Hi, Moms on Call. My name is Jenny, and I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. My son is just over nine months old, and I had a question about napping at daycare. My son has been at daycare since he was about just short of five months old. And when he started daycare, um, I sent him there with um, that little Merlin sleep suit that looks like a Michelin man suit. Um, And he loved it. He slept great in it. It was an instant sleep cue for him. And it was a miracle worker. But once he became a proficient roller, I had to take him out of that. My daycare said that they couldn't accept sleep sacks because it violated how their state representative interpreted rules about sleep sacks. But the loophole is that they could accept a footed sleep sack. We opted to try napping without anything. And so far, it's not great at all. Sometimes he'll come home having napped 15, 20, 30 minutes per day. And when he's at home with me and my husband on weekends and holidays, he takes two two-hour naps a day, just like the schedule that we follow for months on call. I've talked to his teachers and the school's director, and they kind of just shrug and say, some kids don't nap at daycare. I send a portable sound machine with him, but I'm out of ideas. Apart from trying a footed sleep sack, which I don't know if that'll work, what other options do I have? Thank you so much. Well, first of all, we would like to uh, address the relationship between parents and their daycare. This can kind of go wonky sometimes, but for the most part, everybody is really trying to do what's going to work best for the family, for the kids. Those daycare workers have so many kids to make arrangements for. And what I love is that kids really do go into a routine. They really respond to peer pressure (laughs) and the routines that they have at daycare are really great for kids. But sometimes it goes sideways because yeah, they're not napping like we want them to. Right. And, and I think that we, we have to understand that daycares, they do have state laws and, and rules and regulations that they have to follow. They're put in for our safety, That's really. Right. Even though some to. of them don't seem like it. Right. They they, they have are. to follow those things. And I and I think understanding that our little ones 
know the difference between at-home sleep and daycare sleep, the at-home routine and the daycare routine, and and trying to, to just understand that and get a grasp of that and what our responsibility and our role is in, in orchestrating that is huge. And, you know, daycares have to do what they have to do in order to take care of all the kids and, and keep everybody safe, right? So, so that's first and foremost. And I think with napping, what we want to do is because we're told that, oh my gosh, they have to sleep this amount of time every single day or something's not right and we've got to fix it. And your daycare is actually kind of right in that situation. Very right. Yes. It's some kids don't nap at daycare and it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And, you know, we love daycare workers of every variety. They are usually no nonsense kind of people. Yes. And (laughs) and that is a great thing. And and listen, we always say, look, bring the sound machine. If If your daycare will allow you to bring that sound machine, bring the sound machine. A footed pajama or footed sleep sack, it's at nine months of age, unless it's to keep him from climbing out of the crib, it's probably not really helpful. What's helpful at home is because that's the routine at home. Mm-hmm. This is what he is used to. This is what he's done. That's why he sleeps so well at well, home. And you don't have the excitement of, you know, eight or nine other kids Hello? that are doing things in lights and I don't want to go to sleep and, and my friends are over there playing or, you know, no, I don't, don't want to no, miss out. I don't want to miss out. So, you know, there's a, a lot of additional stimulation there. There are people there that are keeping everybody on schedule. But I will say this, and we see this with a lot of nannies, night nurses, and daycare workers, is they feel like they're, part of their job is to keep your kid from crying very much. So they don't allow that to really kind of play out because they feel like that's not the report they want to give you. They didn't sleep, but I let them cry for 45 minutes. Like not a lot of parents are like, oh, thank you. So sometimes being clear about the expectation that if you would spend like three or four days and just kind of let them sort it out in that sleep environment, it may be, yeah, that's safe. It may be that they just haven't, had permission to let them get used to it like that, or the other kids are sleeping and this one's making noise. So, you know, we'll kind of hold them or do something differently and giving them permission and just saying, you know, it's okay. Let's try and elongate the time that they're fussy so they can begin to really get used to that environment. And sometimes, you know, that crying is just like, hey, this is different. There's a lot of stimulation here. It's taken me a minute. And it's not necessarily that, you know, they need to be held or rocked or, you know, taken out of that environment and stimulated with something else. So some of it's just that communication. Let's communicate our expectations. Would Could we take like three to five days and just kind of let them work it out in that environment where we're not stimulating them, changing their environment or quote unquote saving them? And you dictate how long you would allow that to be and see if they're on the page And just say, like, we really believe if we gave it three or four days that this would solve the problem for the long run. And some will and some won't. And sometimes there's, you know, a couple of daycare workers in there and one does and one doesn't. You don't know what kind of situation you always have. But we respectfully try and get everybody on the same page. And this is what I like in negotiations of any type, grandparents, dads, neighbors, daycare 
helpers is that we find where we are unified and we start there. So our goal for talking today is we really want the best situation for both us in the daycare and we want this to be easy as possible. So let's find where we're unified and both work towards that goal. And that's usually a great way to kind of get that ball rolling and not be an adversary, but be helpers. And I want to encourage you as, you know, to control what you can control, which is went from the moment that you pick him up until his bedtime. That is what you can control. So keep that consistent. And when you get him up in the morning and on the weekends, when possible, continue to do those great, wonderful naps at home. And it's okay. However it turns out, they're going to be okay And we don't change our nighttime routine. We don't go to bed early. And sometimes we just accept that even though that answer isn't our favorite, it's good. We're all okay. And uh, oftentimes we'll say this with kids who have runny noses, right? They have runny noses all throughout the winter. And it's bothering us more than it bothers them. And that's the truth oftentimes about just that leaky runny nose or that drool, you know, when they're in the drool stage. You know, often that bothers us more than it bothers them. So we hope that we've given you freedom to accept no matter how this works out and maybe some tools to be able to unify your daycare, your expectations, and that maybe, just maybe, taking some of that mystery out of it and being on the same page will result in a nine-month-old that can nap at daycare. Hi, mom. My name's April, and I'm from Oklahoma. We're having a bit of trouble with our three-year-old daughter at preschool. She's pretending like she doesn't know the answer to things that we know she knows. She's freely giving the wrong answer to her teachers when they ask her things like colors and shapes and animal sounds. And we know she knows all of it, so we're not sure why she's purposely giving wrong answers. She's only three, so it's not like she's actually being graded or has any kind of pressure But we're worried about this becoming a pattern as she continues on in school, obviously. Is there anything we can talk to her about or do we need to talk to her teachers about it so we nip it in the bud? Thanks. Bye. Okay. I know. I know why. Jennifer, do you (laughs) think? Okay. First, what design do you think this one is? All right. So those of you listening at home, in the car, wherever you are, would that be indicative of a social, a movement, an engineer, a rule follower, or a touch kid? We'll just give you a minute to think about it and see if you can come up with the answer that Laura and I both vehemently know the minute we heard what was happening. Laura, what is it? I pick you. I pick you. Me, me, me. Social, social, social. (laughs) She is loving the reaction yes. that she's getting when she <laughs> says a dog makes a moo sound. It is pretty funny. <laughs> this kid's going to have great sense of humor, first of all. Uh, you're raising a comedian. Uh, well, what happens, and for all of you who have done the Toddler by Design app, and you have that printout of what percentages your child might be of any one of those designs. Again, social movement and engineer rule follower and touch. For those of you who scored really high in the social category, right between typically three and three and a half, your social child who is motivated by human interactions, 
reactions, wants to know facial expressions, how high people's eyebrows get, surprise, they love all of it. But between three and three and a half, they begin to explore what we call the dark side of human emotions. (laughs) (laughs) So suddenly they're trying to bring out the things like frustration and agitation and they're like little CIA agents just collecting all this information and they're not mean-spirited. It can seem that way. Like I had this angel of a child who breezed through the terrible twos, charming everyone in their path. And now three has hit and suddenly they're telling stories. They're saying that that cat is a dog. They're looking for these reactions and they want to explore. It will uh, end on its own. So, you know, when you say what things can we do, we can do a few things, but I just want to encourage you that until their curiosity is satisfied, there's a certain number of people they've seen get frustrated. (laughs) So they know what that looks like. Um, then, we'll see that it'll abate. And usually it turns into really good humor. It turns into leadership. It turns into intuitiveness. So we don't want to completely stunt it, but we can put some words around it and curb the behavior a bit. Well, and I think putting words around it and curbing the behavior and encouraging and and talking to the teachers and say, you know what, she is such a social kid. So the more we pay attention to this, the more this is going to happen. So when she says that that is red and we know that it's blue, I'll just, if if we could just kind of pull back and just say, I know that you know that's blue and turn your back and go move on to the next thing. It really will help start to curb that behavior pretty quickly. But if you laugh and a lot of things they say are funny, (laughs) you fuel the fire. Or if you go, what? Come on, I know you know that dogs don't moo. Come on, what do they say? And then we're looking at them right in the face and just fueling everything that they were hoping to get out of that interaction. So, Lord, that was really beautiful. Yeah, just say, I know you know the right answer and move on to the next kid. And move on. Yeah, if you don't have this huge animated reaction, then they're not getting what they want. They won't, you know, it'll escalate a little bit before it gets better if you'll keep at it. So you'll notice that that behavior will kind of increase to try and get that frustration out of you just a little bit and to try and get the eyes. Social kids have what we call a lookometer that has to be filled to a certain degree every day. And the other thing that they can do is find this child doing good things, answering a question correctly, and then applying the attention to that. And so that way, if they know that they will be noticed for the things that they do well when they're not the center of attention in that moment, that will curb them feeling that they have to demand it at other times. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit momsoncall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive your amazing parenting journey. 